It's Sunday Social, an hour dedicated to social media with Vaughan Davis. Sunday Social. I'm Vaughan Davis with you right through till 8 o'clock. Isn't that lovely? Isn't that just lovely? Straight jacket fits, sparkle that shines and it is of course New Zealand Music Month and I'm, I commit to you, I commit to you here on air in front of, in front of everyone and my mum that uh, for the rest of the month we're going to play nothing but New Zealand music to intro the show. Hey, thanks so much for joining me tonight. It's going to be an absolute cracker, all live, quite excited. Show number 209. To celebrate that, you might want to join me. Join me via text 3920 keyword live. That'll pop up in front of you right here. You can tweet me at Vaughan Davis and I promise I will get Back to you ASAP. Later on, Julian Waters makes his triumphant return to the Radio Live chair with, well, either a great app for concerned parents or is it a harbinger of a dangerous and frightening technology-enabled future? You decide. We've got the download on what day it was last Thursday, and don't tell me it was last Thursday because that's really not the point. And big news, big news for anyone into Wales. First, though. It is the distant future. The year 2000. We are robots. The world is very different ever since the robotic uprising of the mid-90s. There is no more unhappiness. Affirmative. We no longer say yes. Instead, we say affirmative. Yes, affirmative. Unless it's a more colloquial situation with a few robo-friends. There is only one kind of dance. The humans are dead. Well, what's going to take their place? That's the question. And here to answer that is Mr. Clinton Cardozo. Welcome, Clinton. Oh. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, that, that's a simple question. We're all, we're all out of here. The robot's going to take over. You describe yourself on Twitter as Air New Zealand's experiments and accelerated learnings guy, which for, for a company known for its experimentation and quite possibly accelerated learning is, is, is really saying something, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I can't speak too much about, you know, what, what happens inside energy, but I think f in general, I just help people, um, you know, learn faster. And if they need an experimentation is one of the, the, the quickest ways someone can learn something. Um, getting that first principles knowledge. So, I mean, that's what I've been doing for the last couple of years. Yeah. I spoke, uh, well, I emceed an event um, two or three weeks ago where, where you spoke, and it, it got me interested because you spoke about what you called your super forecasts for the yes. future of humans at work, which is kind of why I played the robot song. Do you, I, I, how long have you been in New Zealand? I have been in New Zealand just over 10 years now. Oh, did you know, did you recognise the song? No, I didn't actually. Uh, I keep, you know, everything is new. Flight of the Concords, my friend. Um, you spoke about the future of humans at work and, and shared what you called your super forecast. Super forecast, that's right. Let's, let's, let's talk about those and the first one and, and you know this is a big topic I was I was I was talking to my mother hmm. I was talking to my hmm. mother who is at the other end of the workforce and she said you know what 
I don't care about technology. I'm quite glad that I'm coming out the back of the workforce now because I don't need to learn this stuff. I can I can walk my dog and have my cups of tea and enjoy the rest of my life. Mm. But for the rest of us who've, you know, got 10, mm. 20, 30, 40 years of work ahead of us, um, there's a heck of a lot of stuff coming down the pipe. And the first one you spoke about was autonomy. Autonomy, So what yes. do you mean by autonomy? I think in general, um, if you give people the space uh, to do the things their way, chances are they'll surprise you. Um, a lot, you know, you heard this term like, "Oh, I've got a micromanager as a boss." So an autonomy is. I big. have one of those who's, who's about <laughs> four foot seven. He was oh, right. tiny. He's really right. lit. Oh, that's not what you mean, is it? No, I no, mean, okay. I, I think, I think in a lot of ways, we always work for somebody, mm-hmm. um, and you know, obviously, they give you the challenges. If you have, you're an entrepreneur, you're working for, um, you know, you're working for the market, you're working for your customers, but how you do something. I think that's what autonomy is, is the ability that I've been given a task. I Don't tell me how I'm going to do it. I'm going to find a way to get it done. And I think if you give people more autonomy to do, uh, to solve the task, to solve the humans are natural problem solvers. Um, and if you give them the opportunity to say, actually go solve the, the, the problem the way, uh, you know, giving you the power to solve the problem, I think, I think people surprise you. And this is kind of the opposite of how we used to look at work 100 years ago, where, you know, there was, there was a thing called time in motion. Mm-hmm. And we believed that there was a best way, mm. a, a single best way to do any job, and we'd find mm. out what that best way was, and we would have everyone do it. Mm. So if that's changed, what what's the role that technology's played in that, or is it just a wider work cultural shift? Well, in a lot of ways, if you think about, you know, you know, we've run experiments where, you know, we've given people access to go and learn something new and, you know, doing courses and stuff like that, and what we found is that by the time they've done the course, um, the content is already obsolete. So... You know, that's why it's really now important to give people the, the freedom to actually say, actually, go figure this out for yourself and teaching people how to figure those things out um, as opposed to telling them, you know, like, and our whole system, school system is based on like a very industrial way of um, solving problems. It's like, I'm going to teach you something, I'm going to ready the workforce. But now, I mean, a lot of technology is a black box, right? So mm. there's a very few people who know exactly what's going on. And, you know, you can even, you can try to control the output, but actually right now it's in the state of play is that it's not really that possible. So autonomy of learning is a really interesting one, and that's sort of right up your alley, you know, with, with your role at the moment. Right. And, and I'm, I'm thinking now of my um, 19-year-old son who's doing computer science at Auckland University, mm. and I get the feeling that he learns a heck of a lot more through the YouTube videos he finds about things, the online learning modules mm. he finds about things, than he does actually by sitting in the class and doing the assignments. And that's that's one of my super forecasts. I think everything in the future is going to be about continuous learning. Um, and, you know, everything that's set up, you know, YouTube, Facebook, we are, we're just constantly taking information. I mean, I, like, I remember my dad teaching me how to, like, um, change uh, the wheel of a car. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't need to do that with my son. I think when his car's going to break down, well, chances are that the car's going to fix it for him. Uh, but I think... Or it won't be his car. It won't be his car. It'll probably be a, a shared vehicle. A shared autonomous um, thing. That's yeah. right, shared autonomous <coughs> thing. And, you know, where the car drives itself. But the idea that... Uh, he, 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 that, that's an interest. That's an interesting moral decision. So if I'm in a, 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 a an autonomous Uber and it gets a flat, you know, do I not tell anyone and 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 just leave it with the next person? Do I fix it myself? Well, the car knows, doesn't it? The car. Well, knows. the car will know, and you know, I think that's why there's a whole bunch of you know, right now, if if you know you wanted to pursue, uh, you know, a study, a field of study, uh, philosophy is is a great field of study to to pursue because all of these. Uh, these systems are going to be embedded with 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 their own you know m- moral 
judgment making. Um, yeah, well, yeah, so. yeah. Um, kill the driver or, or kill, kill, right. kill the, the mother with the pram right. crossing the crossing the road. That's right. So, you know, if you asked me 10 years ago, should I study philosophy? It, it, it didn't seem like something that practical. But right now, it's, it's I think it's at the forefront. Well, that that's an interesting thing because there's, there's a real obsession in the New Zealand education system. I think it's worldwide with pushing people into STEM, science, technology, engineering, mathematics. Yeah. But we're only going to need so many robot builders. We're actually going to need some people who are doing those those ethical things, those human things well, that, I think that, that underpin it. Yeah, what we're going to need is this, this creative mindset, the ability to imagine uh, a, a different way of doing things. And I think that's... First, I mean, my background is in the creative arts, and I think it's it's allowed me to be flexible with how I solve problems. So I I would always be a proponent of the creative side of things. So let's talk about problem solving because mm. the next the next uh, super forecast, the next big trend you spoke about the other week was that of the centaur. The so centaur. let's describe to people if if they don't know what one looks like. Uh, what one is? So the concept of centaurs came about when uh, Gary Kasparov played, um, you know, played chess against uh, Watson. Yeah, but, a, but he, a literal, a literal, centaur. a literal, sense. literal. Centaur. Yes, the, uh, well, if, 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 if a <laughs> mythical thing can be literal. Uh, well, the idea is that we're going to have this human-machine hybrid in in solving problems. I'm going to back up even further. So a centaur, a centaur is, is a, a human horse. horse yeah. Um, mix uh the torso the top half human and the bottom half uh horse, horse. and so he gets he or she gets the best of both worlds yeah. uh, a human uh intellect but the the strength of a horse yeah um, exactly exactly so and, and, and the ability to fertilize your own vegetable garden that which is probably which shouldn't, shouldn't be overlooked <laughs> probably true so that's that's a centaur so how does how does that apply to technology so the idea i mean we do that right now if you think about when you when you're driving your car and your gps is telling you you know that you've got to reach a certain destination it maps the road out uh, maps the route based on the best possible and the fastest way to get there. Now, you can override that and say, actually, I've got a better idea, and that's the center. Like, you're getting in information with, uh, you know, Google's giving you this information, but at the same time, you can override that, or you choose to follow it. Either way, you're stronger with that information. I mean, remember the times where you're going with maps and yeah. stopping? Yeah. And so, that, so I mean, the idea, like, GPS is a, is a, is a kind of centaur. I think we're just going to be doing more and more of those things in the future. So, so rather than necessarily going, okay, this is a job that computers will do, this is a job that humans will do, we'll say this is a job that a computer-assisted human That's will do. That's right. I think it's, it's something that happens together. Uh, we are stronger together with the machine. I mean, why are we spending all this time trying to compute this thing in our head? Humans are really good decision makers when it comes down to when they have the information. But we're spending a whole bunch of time trying to articulate that information. Or it's do long, not, long division or something, which, is, right. which is not our strong... It's strong. not efficient. We're not the fastest processes of computing speed. So... Um, when I when I think of, of long division in my head, I think of my my trusty Casio FX eighty two calculator, which is still you can this this is the calculator I used when I was fifteen. It is still a current model for uh, for Casio, which just amazes me, and it, it brings me to the next trend because um, the Casio FX eighty two was a prescribed calculator when I was at school doing doing maths and, and, mm. and physics and chemistry. You had to have that one. The next trend you talk about is personalized tooling. Right. And that's, that's right. you don't have to have the Casio FX82. You could have any calculator you like. And this this is sort of mayhem in, in a workplace, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, because when you when you enter in you enter a corporate you get the certain set of tools that you have to use. It's under the firewall and it's you know it's all safe and secure. But 
um, in the future, uh, it's going to be better. What works for me to do my job uh, will help me go faster. Why do I have to adjust my own way of working? Um, and so personalized tooling basically means that I'll be able to use whatever tool I, I, sh I am comfortable with to do the job better, faster. Do you really believe this will happen? Because I'm thinking of uh, you know a company with 10,000 people um, with everyone, just, you know, one person says, oh, I like to communicate on email. One says, I like WhatsApp. The other one says, I like Slack. Another mm. one says, I like Trello. Mm. Can that work? Well, it's already already working. I think we're, we're sort of agnostic to the tool we use. If you go to most corporates and you'll see it everywhere, there's the, the Slack, there's Teams, there's um, Skype, there's there's uh, WhatsApp. So it, it really doesn't matter. It's it's agnostic at the moment. So we're already doing this. I think it's just going to become a, a, a more considered thing in the past. So I think right now we're doing it you know autonomously but in the future it's going to be uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a normal thing it's going to be a normal thing talking to clinton cardozo from air new zealand about the future of humans at work back soon vaughan davis hashtag sunday social radio live hey hashtag welcome back to sunday social i'm vaughan davis with you right through till eight o'clock clinton cardozo from air new zealand talking the future of humans at work welcome back oh. Oh, <laughs> you mean you, you, you? I was like, yes. Yeah, yeah. Welcome you, back. You I'm meant to banter, to be back. banter it, so, banter it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, glad to be back. Can't have, you can't have dead air. I love have... this space, by the way. It is. It is. It, it is, is pretty, pretty much pretty... like the Starship Enterprise. It is impressive. You I've would... done, uh, you know, garage TV shows, radio shows, but this. No, this oh, is. You, this is. You got the digs. I have totally got the digs. Uh, it's quite the improvement. Two years ago, we mm. we literally had a basement, uh, Radio Live, but now it is the centre, the centre of the news hub. Now, one of the trends you talked about when uh, we were at an event together a couple of weeks ago, uh, this is the one that's a little bit scary for me, mm. hey, you're an airline, um, <laughs> the experimental mindset, which always always um, puts me in mind, this Gary Larson cartoon where there's two pilots in the flight deck and there's a big button in front of them and one says, hey, let's see what happens if we push this one. Oh, actually, That's not what you mean, is no, it? Contrary to everything, I, I'm glad, you know, you know, companies like, you know, airline companies and, and transport companies do experimentation because that actually makes me feel safer. <laughs> that I know they've tested everything and it works. I mean, you fly and, and you do a pre-flight check mm -hmm. and you test your rudders. I do. That's for experimenting in a, in, in a small way to make sure everything's working. And I think that's what experiment is. Yeah, experiment what, what happens if I press this? That's yeah. right. Uh, and, and an experimental mindset essentially sets out to say that actually, I'll, I mean, there's two kinds of experimentation. That we, the one I'm talking about is that we have a lot of unknown unknowns when it comes down to working with a new piece of technology. And uh, the learning... We, to get the steepest learning curve about that new So system. to learn as much as you can, can. as quickly as well, possible. Get, and get that first principle knowledge. And, and I always say, like, experience provides closure to knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, the, you know, you can learn everything from YouTube videos and you can, you can go to the courses, but at the end of the day, once you're actually working on it, then you get that full whack of experience, and that's what you remember. And the experimental mindset essentially gets you to that space quickest so it's getting that first principles knowledge of the thing that we don't know anything about so give me an example in, in, in an everyday workplace what if, if this is the future of humans at work what does a workplace with an experimental mindset look like let's take for example a new webinar software right so mm -hmm. this thing that does the, all the bells and whistles uh, uh, has this massive reach but has a little bit of technical bits for the host user to use uh, and an experimental mindset will say, instead of doing a large business case for it to, to buy the software or, or you know, going through a training course to, at some stage, use it. What, what, what by, by which time it's obsolete. It's probably obsolete mm -hmm. or it's not, you know, it's about pro providing value as quickly as possible. So we'll say, actually, just use it. 
right? Go test it. Uh, get some people together. Uh, you know, how much does it cost, you, you know, for two months of license? So, so you know, get a small business unit or a small team to use it as their thing. That's right. And then you'll know after your two months whether or not it's any good. That's right. You get, you get context to what this thing is. And then after that, you build your business case. So instead of you know, saying, we definitely want this after six months of business casing, we say, no, use it for a couple of months, see what happens. Um, you know, you'd rather spend, if you're spending money on it, you'd rather spend something for two months and know it does not work in two months than spending eight months on something and realizing, oops. So, so the, the other buzzword that goes hand in hand with that is rapid prototyping. Rapid right? prototyping, yep, that's right. And rapid prototyping is essentially when you're you're building something. Uh, and experimental mindset is essentially saying, you know, look, just test everything. Get your hands on the thing. Uh, put it out there. See what happens. Uh, rapid prototyping is really about just seeing the thing, I th mm. personally, I think. But experimentation is actually taking that rapid prototype and putting it out in the market and yep. seeing, actually, does this, does this fly? The other trend you talked about, which inter interested me quite a lot, um, it sounds a bit wonky. This is the idea of the quantified work self. Now, I've heard of the quantified self, and the, the great exemplar of that is the Fitbit. So right. we, we know to the heartbeat how That's our right. day was, how our That's week right. was, to the gram, how our weight is tracking, and a whole lot of other parameters that those, those things are tracking. Uh, and, and that sort of technology is coming for better or worse into the workplace. And, and I was reading a story the other day that um, Amazon warehouse workers, and there's probably only about four of them left in the world because the rest of it's robots, uh, are wearing little um, location-aware haptic feedback bracelets that buzz mm -hmm. if they go to the wrong place, mm -hmm. which sounded kind of creepy. Mm -hmm. But tell me what you mean by the quantified work self. Well, the future is about efficiency and delivering value as quickly as possible. So when a, in a quantified work self, for example, I started to track how many email, how much time I was actually spending on writing emails. Mm -hmm. how, did you, how did you do that? Ah, oh, I just put counters. Okay, okay. So I manually, you just manually Yeah, that was my experimental it. mindset to yeah, see how yeah. much I was doing it. So I was writing these big dial drive emails and what I found was like, whoa, I'm spending like a, a good three hours of my day just writing something. You could, you could write a chapter of a book every day. That's right, but I, without that knowledge of how long, um, and there are now like small, small softwares that you can add onto your mail software to tell you that. And what I found is like, well, I'm, I'm really inefficient. So why am I spending that time? And, and, and the future is all going to be about that is if speed is your, you know, future currency, if delivering value is your currency, how are you tracking any of that stuff? Um, and it's, it's a lot of self-tracking. I'm not saying the business is going to track it, but yeah, it's a but lot you know, of fun. The, the, um, you know, the next step in that would be if, <laughs> if you, know, you, you conclude that you've spent three hours a day on emails, and you know what? Two hours a day will be good. You could have some sort of you know, floaty progress bar that's you know, f um, projected onto your glasses. So yeah, you, you, and, knew, and, and you knew how much email time you'd used today and how much was left. That's right. And Get to the end, no more emails. That's going to happen, right? Like it's, and I, I look forward to that. I look forward to saying, actually, you're being inefficient here. Uh, I mean, that's the kind of guy I am. I like being super efficient with everything. I've, I've often thought, because um, I, I spend a lot of my time, I'm, I'm a writer by trade, uh, a lot of my time in Microsoft Word, and as much as we're kind of averse to being tracked, measured and recorded, I would dearly love to know, over the last 20 years I've been using that program, mm what I've been doing with it, what my favourite words are, what my sentiment is, how that sentiment relates to the weather, the time of the day, different parts of my life. That would be fascinating. It's easily copy and paste it into uh, well, IBM Watson and it'll 
probably done. Yeah, but 20 years ago, I, I've been watched and just, and I, and I do Surely not... Surely you've got the documents I do not have my entire corpus uh, for, the, for the last, well... More no, it would be amazing. It would be yeah. amazing. Uh, and, 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 and I'd like to see that. I'd, I'd love to see that. And if, if Microsoft could, could do it for me as a service, I think it would be fantastic. Yeah. I, th- I think a lot of people would find it, you know, perhaps... Um, and this is always the balance, a little bit intrusive, a little bit creepy. That's don't right. know. Um, kind of at odds with, with speed and efficiency, the last trend you talked about, and maybe this was to leave us on a high note... Um, you know, rather than just going with the robots coming, um, was joy enablement. Joy enablement. Yeah. And I, I, when, I, when I talk about this, I always show uh, the slide. Uh, there's a small video of my son uh, going down a, a small slope uh, for the first time ever, and he lets out this this joyous scream. Like we should the, point out that he was on a bicycle. He was on a bicycle. You, you didn't, you didn't just, you didn't down just down push him no. down a slope. Yes, that's right. He was on a small little tricycle, and he was two years old back then. And the idea is that when you go on a roller coaster, it always seems scary at first. And then when you go down the other end, it's still scary. But then you even you know once you've reached that you know calm pace, it's wow, this is kind of brilliant. Um, and work should be that way. Work should be about you know trying something hard, trying something that you're slightly scared about doing it. But on the other side of it, given the right guidance, given the right safety wheels, like you know like my son in the strike, you'll come out of it with with joy. So if I'm running a business, which indeed I am. Um, how do I put those conditions in place for, for that combination of fear and, and relief and excitement and joy? Give your team a slightly harder task than usual. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> I'll just make them work uh, harder. But you've got to follow all of those other things as well. You've got to give them the slightly harder task, but give them autonomy as well to go mm. and figure it out themselves. Mm. And, you know, let them surprise you. And, and they will fail. Look, the whole point of, 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 of the, you know, the workplace of the future is that with the, having the experimental mindset, you are going to fail. But uh, when you, you know, you, you've got to be there to say, actually, that's okay. Uh, what, what else can you try? Mm. Um, and they'll surprise you and they'll have joy. And I Which think. is a bit of a mindset shift for the average New Zealand that's business right. owner, I think. Right. Okay, well, you know, give it a go. You know, we're going to weld these trailers in a different way today or any way you like. That's right. And if they work, that's great. If the trailers are not welded properly, well, you know, that's we'll weld some more trailers. That's the only way to keep the robots at bay. That's true, because the robots are not going to go, well, are they? They're not going to go, oh, you know what, I've got a slow afternoon, I'm going to try a new way of welding that's a trailer. Right. That's, that's not right. a robot thing to do, is that's it? That's right. And that's what we've got to teach and sort of enable people to, is that, you know, uh, robots are coming in for our, you know, mundane jobs, but the creative task, the, the, a different way to do something, that's up for the takes. So, so you're not going to have a job in 20 years welding trailers of all you have to offer is you are the fastest and most efficient trailer welder in the West. Maybe welding spaceships. I don't know. Maybe welding spaceships. Maybe welding them better. So so you weren't always the experiments and accelerated learning sky in New Zealand, which is an interesting sounding job. How How did you fall into this? Uh... I think I was, uh, I mean, I've, always, I've been a graphic designer, I've been, uh, I study psychology, uh, and I, I'm deeply interested in behavioral economics, so I'm just trying to understand how people work, and, and I sort of stumbled onto it from applying for a learning job. I mean, I'm an accelerated learner myself, and that sort of helps in articulating what accelerated learning is, and it sort of pissed it to New Zealand, and here I am. Invented yourself a job in the UI. I mean, right now my official title is senior, senior manager of digital learning. So, and what well, that, that means sounds is, a bit boring. And yeah, it does. I like the experiments of learning, accelerated learning guy. But at the core of it is is making people comfortable with the massive amount of change that's coming in. 
How can people connect with you online? I think LinkedIn. Uh, there's not a lot of Clinton Cardozos in the world. Uh, so no, that's true. Google not Clinton. a lot of Vaughan Davises either. That's right. That's right. That's how I found you. Here's here's to the um, here's to the unique surname first name combination. Right. Hey Clinton, unique Cardozo. That can be <laughs> that can be your your new middle name. Thank you so much for uh, joining me tonight. Thanks for having me. Good chat. Connecting you to the future of the internet. internet. It's Sunday Social with Vaughan Davis. Hey, relax, you haven't uh, tuned to Radio Coromandel by mistake, but you are. You are hearing Wales song here on Radio Live Sunday Social. Uh-oh, wait a minute. I promised that I was only going to play New Zealand music. Does American Wales song count as music not from New Zealand? Julian, what do you think? Surely those whales have visited here at some point. They have. Good know? answer. They're migratory. The mm. ocean is their playground. So, what, well, firstly, Julian... Welcome. Thank you. Welcome back. Good to be Welcome here. Welcome back. Good to be here. And uh, and good to finally give you back your, um, your your daughter's drink bottle, which has been sitting in my car for six months. Yes. For no nefarious reasons at all. Um, Whale Stream. Whale Stream is a new channel, a new channel on YouTube. And I, I love it when people come up with nutty new ways, nutty new ways to use the internet, because the internet, I promise you, was not invented in order for us to listen to a microphone permanently positioned on the seabed 3,000 feet below the waters of Northern California. I don't think it was invented for that. It might not have been, but, you know... What, is oh, you sounded like a whale then. Is it, you sounded like Flipper. What's happening, that, Flipper? I thought that sound before was my stomach, actually. I haven't had any yet. What's that? You know, the boys are trapped in an upturned boat. <laughs> That's my thinking. I'm thinking hard. Yeah, you know, I, I think... The internet, one of the greatest things about the internet, I, I, and I'm reminded of this so often, is that it gives us access to things that we never would have been able to get access to before. You know, in the past it would have been thumbing through the shelves of a library trying to find some <laughs> To find a, a, a record of whale song. Exactly, yeah. Of so, course, whale song purists would say that, you know, old whale song on vinyl is the way to listen to it, man. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But yeah, the, the oceans are this massive, unexplored... I mean, you know, guys like Jeff Bezos, the Amazon millionaire, and, and others are obsessed with exploring the ocean. Um, and and that, the, the director... Um, James Cameron. James Cameron, yes, yes. Um, we've explored the outer space. Uh, we've started, you know, venturing out of space, but we haven't explored, you know, a great percentage of our oceans. You're, so, sounding, you're sounding like yes. Jacques Cousteau. Mm. So specifically, this is, this so, is a new so live... internet. Yes, this is a live stream on YouTube. So live stream on YouTube is not a clip that's got a beginning and an end. You just go to this and it is constant. It's live. Um, you can find it by searching YouTube for Monterey Bay Aquarium Research Institute. So Monor Mon Monterey Aquarium is one of the most famous aquariums in, in the world. And they've just got this, this microphone on 24-7. And I'll be honest, fair warning, uh, most of the time you don't hear a cool whale song like that. Mostly you hear nothing and then you might hear a shrimp going click. And then you hear a whole lot of nothing. But it's neat. It's neat that you can listen. It's sort of like a <coughs> like an audio webcam. Do you know what the first ever webcam was? I, I don't. Tell us. It was a coffee pot. It was a coffee <laughs> pot. So um, it was. It might have been MIT, not not the uh, not the Monaco M MIT, the other one. Um, and 
it was from one lab to another, they wanted to know whether or not the uh, coffee percolator needed refilling without having to walk all the way down there. So they invented the world's first webcam and they made it public. And for about 20 years, you could see whether or not their coffee pot was full. <laughs> Isn't the internet cool? Um, the internet is also, <laughs> well, computers as well as being really cool are also really, 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 really stupid. And what do I mean by that? Well, when you ask a computer, well, when you ask a human to do something stupid, what do they normally do? Look at you funny. Look at you funny. They look at you funny and tell you to go away, right? Hmm. Or be sarcastic or something. Yeah, they tell you to go away in, in, in a really emphatic way. Hmm. Well, when you ask a computer to do something stupid, the computer goes, oh, yeah, I'll do that. So what if, for example, have you, have you played with Amazon um, Echo? I have not. But you know what one is? Yeah, it's a little box device yeah, little, that you can little, talk to. Yeah, known as a smart speaker. So there's a bunch of them out. There's, there's Amazon Echo, which is powered by a, 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 a being called Alexa. There's Google Home, which is OK Google or Google Assistant sitting behind it. Um, and there's, I think there's a Microsoft Apple. one. Apple have one. Apple, Apple have HomePod, HomePod. Which, is, which is powered by Siri, who you're familiar with. But um, these, these people that are... Um, at a, uh, a a website which is called uh, Geeks Are Sexy, which well, right there is not true. Um, Geeksasexy.net. They thought, well, what if we ask this super smart computer to do something really stupid? What will it do? So they asked Alexa, uh, "What is ten to the power of three hundred and eight? And this Alexa, is what happened. Could you tell me what's ten to the power of three hundred and eight? 10 to the power of 308 is 10 I love how it gets trippy. I love Yasmin, how long is there? So Yasmin's our technical producer tonight. How long is there to run on this video? How long is Alexa happy to just sit there and say that stuff? Um, it goes on for one minute thirty-two. That's a that's a really dumb computer. Uh, then what happens though? Maybe maybe it's just the British Alexa that's a bit stupid. What if we ask the American Alexa? What would she say? Alexa, what is ten to the power of three hundred and eight? Ten to the power of three hundred eight is one zero 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 yeah, but but surely she go well. You know, that's the, I could I could. I, that's a it's just a dumb question. Yeah, it's just yeah. a dumb question. The um, but go remember? those geeks, you know. Well, the the, the phrase used to be um, garbage in, garbage out. Remember that? Mm. Mm. So you 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 get a computer to do something dumb, mm. and the computer will very very efficiently do something dumb. Were you a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy fan as a as a younger man? I wasn't. My my brother was the one. He's the geek. Right, right. Oh, mm. that's a bit of a worry because you've got a computer business. What is a geek really? I don't know. It's 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 like you I don't with, embrace without, the without, brand. It's like you without the cool haircut. Um, there was a scene in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I remember, yeah, very clearly where Arthur Dent, who was the human who got kidnapped or saved or it wasn't clear, taken into space, missed the taste of a cup of tea. So he asked the computer, 
on this spaceship he was on to make him the perfect cup of tea. And it was so fiendishly difficult that the uh, the spaceship just cr- basically shut down. Everyone's telling us to fear artificial intelligence now, aren't I'm they? I'm not but, telling you that. Yeah, but, you know, Elon Musk says it's going to take over the world, that we could be living in a simulation now and we don't know it. But, yeah, some of this basic stuff, computers just aren't quite there yet, are they? Uh, basic, but... For humans, because we have that ability to discern, to know when something's stupid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Com- computers don't really have a sense of have a sense of what is dumb. It would be interesting if they did. I wonder. How that would. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's we. It's funny when you talk about artificial intelligence, and I wasn't wasn't planning on talking about this, but the idea that most artificially intelligent agents and and Alexa, who we just listened to in two accent versions, uh, is an example of that. But those um, video avatar artificially intelligent agents that airlines and banks and other other big companies are rolling out, the ones that you look at and look back at you, they do whatever you want them to. They're subservient, which is a bit of a worry because if, if we perceive them as, you know, authentically human we we act with you know we transact with them as if they were humans and we can be rude to them and mm. we can make unreasonable demands and and we can just be be jerks to them and they just keep on smiling and make it okay they normalize and accept that behavior am i overthinking this i don't know so are you concerned that will normalize this behavior in human society or yeah that's or? what i'm saying that's what i'm saying yeah. because um the 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 other factor that's the other thread that's happening here is most of these intelligent agents, you know, the, the digital humans that these companies have sculpted and, and, you know, made the face of their brands, most of them are female, most of them are young. Mm. And what is it teaching us? Is it that we can, you know, have a chat with a, with a, a young woman and, she, and we can be rude to her and we can be demanding to her and she'll just keep smiling and nod and maybe tilt her head to show empathy and understand us and just keep on giving us that service? Oh, that's scary, isn't it? You know, with in the world we're living in, where it could all go. I, you know, on the flip side, to look at it more positively, I, I often wish Siri would reward me for saying please, because I, I feel it's, you know... Uh, well, boom. You talk to Siri Well, boom, boom, bossy. Julian, mm. boom, Julian. I've got, I've got news for you. I've got news for you. So, Amazon, it's like you knew this, but I don't think you did know this. Uh, this is good for the kids. So, when you get um, a, uh, an Amazon Echo, which is the little smart speaker, and communicate with Alexa, you can get an Alexa for kids. So, Alexa for kids is kind of like the voice net nanny, if you like. <laughs> so, it curates what content the kids can, can call up. So, this thing is essentially yeah. a portal to the internet. It's just like a keyboard, except you use it with your voice. It'll curate the content that, that uh, Alexa will call up. It won't allow uh, any audio content with bad language mm-hmm. to come through. And it rewards your kids if they say, please. <laughs> Look at that. Look at that. So uh, Jeff Bezos and Amazon and Alexa are one step ahead of you. Please and thank you. It really counts. After the break, the apps and websites that you absolutely must have to make it through this week. Back soon. Sunday Social. Welcome back to Sunday Social at 7.49, 11 minutes till the weekend. Variety Wireless, Vaughan Davis and Julian Waters with you right through till 8. Welcome back, Julian. Oh. And a special, a special welcome, special welcome to Mr. Ian Griffin, a noted, noted Dunedin astronomer who, uh, who tells me via Twitter that while he is waiting for the uh, aurora, waiting for the aurora to come so he can photograph it, he's listening to the show. 
Oh, see, the, the, the stars are not just in the studio, Julian. The stars are not just in the studio. See what I did there? I did. Very funny. You're very You're clever. Like, I'm brilliant. I was looking for some affirmation. Um, documentary movies. Documentary movies. I love a good documentary movie. I do too. Uh, and I, I thought, I thought the only place to get them, of course, was uh, TV3. Turns out, turns out there's an app. There's an app where you can get good quality documentaries. There is. There's subscription services for everything now, aren't there, for entertainment? Docs as a service. D-A-A-S. Okay, clever. You should have sold it. I know, I should have. I should have. I should have. Yeah, so it's, I downloaded it recently because I thought, oh, this, this sounds... Um, What's it called? It's, Tell the people. It, it, it's, it's called... What is it called? Doc, Doc Play. Play. It's called Doc Play. It's called Doc Play. It came out uh, a little over a year ago, and it is... They call it the Netflix of documentaries. But isn't Netflix the Netflix of documentaries? Well, they do have some. This is what I've come to realise, is that there's a lot of crossover. Some You can have a, a movie or a documentary, and it could be on anyone's station or as a channel mm. what, what do we call them these days you know on demand i, I don't even have it services you call them services, services. right yeah. yes that's right so we could go to you know news hub or what media works or whatever and find these on their apps or on their um on those little boxes you put in your lounge uh and, and yeah but um it's you just sort of want to go to a place and find a lot of them sometimes it's just a good way to filter them it just would put a whole lot of stuff in front of you well the hardest um, thing so in the world because I, I sit in front of netflix now and then and I might spend more time trying to choose a movie than I do watching the movie. Mm. And, and I think, well, if Amazon can go, you know, you've read these three books, you're going to love this fourth, Where's, why is Netflix not doing this for me? Well, it does, doesn't it? It tells not really. You, you know, recommended yeah. for Vaughan. I, I, I think the ones that are recommended for Vaughan are all the one, also the ones that are recommended for, for Julian and recommended for Sarah and mm. recommended for Yasmin, who doesn't like talking on the radio. It, yeah, it'll say, um, you know, you have watched... So and so. Yeah. So you therefore, therefore you like this. So so back to yeah. Doc Play. Mm. Doc Play yeah. six dollars ninety five a month just to watch documentaries. What, I mean, what, what's the what's the gold? What's there? What's good? I saw uh, John Alomo's documentary is sitting there. I saw a couple that are already on uh, one of the on demand services in New Zealand that you can watch for free with with ads and dispersed through them. Or, or you um, could or you could watch this. So, so the, the thing that yes. got my interest, I had I had a bit of a look. I haven't paid my six dollars ninety five because come on, um, it's Australian, which surprised me, and it's partly backed by the Australian government. I guess this is like an Australia on air thing. Uh, they position themselves, Docplay, as as the premier um, way to watch documentary content in Australia and New Zealand. However, I went to look to the New Zealand category and there are seven. There are only yeah. seven New Zealand documentaries. And I know for a fact, Julian, there are more than seven. <laughs> yes, there are more. Uh, there must be more than... I think even that John Aloma one that I saw is actually classed as a... It's sports, it was made somewhere sports else. Sports or... Yeah. yeah. So, so there probably are a few others related to, 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 to local, um, you know, local material. Um, I, I yeah I believe by the way also I believe there is a free ad supported version so it's the subscription yeah the subscription is is to get rid of all the ads and you know have the I, I think they also have premium content of their own um, I, I guess it's just another when I look at things like this it's just yeah maybe partly it's if I'm in the mood for a documentary maybe it's good to go to a service like this where they just have them and I can look at all these different categories of documentaries um, you sort of wonder where it's all going to go though I mean how many subscription services are we supposed to have you know 
it's well back in of, back in the day you either had you either had you know TV one or you went went outside yeah. and, and rode your bike. <laughs> so yeah, yeah it's uh, it's certainly one way traffic. So the name of is Doc Play. It's six ninety five a month, and if you're into documentaries, it is worth a look. Hmm. Now, Julian, you've got kids. <clears throat> I did last time I checked. Yeah, you did last time you checked. What if there? What if there were an app? Because they've both got phones, right? Mm, they're on the, using them right this minute. What if they're an app where 24-7 you could find, at the very least, where their phone is, which, which kind of means where they are, and that gave you alerts if they strayed from where you told them to be. Useful or creepy? That'd be useful. I, I use, we operate within the Apple ecosystem, so I have used Find Friends to track them when they started biking to school. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it, I forget. You forget to look at it, you know, and that sort of thing. So if there was this, yeah, I, I never had thought about that. But, yes, if you could say, well, this is the way they're supposed to go, if there's any delays or, you know, deviations, that would be that would be better. That would be even better. Yes. Yeah, because I've, I've been looking at this. There's Why a, not? <clears throat> you know? Well, I've, I've, moved, I've moved now to Android, as you know, mm. and certainly on Android, and I'm sure on my phone as well, there's a whole family of apps designed for you to keep tabs on people. And... Uh, you know, just opening a screen and seeing where the phones of all your family members are right now to within a metre. And I was looking last night, and it's a mate, you know, it knew which corner of my lounge room I was in. Oh, wow. So which, is, which, is, which, is, which is pretty damned accurate. Um, it can also do things like um, alert you when your kids get to auntie's house. So you send right. the auntie's house as a location. Or if you send them out uh, to play in the soccer field, you can define the soccer field. And if they leave the soccer field, you can get a wee alert. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds great. You like that? Be handy. Oh but, yeah. But what about trust? Absolutely. What about trust? What about um, you know, because isn't isn't it a you know on that day when you say okay kids you're old enough now to catch mm. the bus into town, go to the movies, come straight home. And that's a, that's a tr- that's that's one of those things in life where you're making a decision as a parent that your kids are mature enough to do that. You're trusting them, but more importantly, they know. You're trusting them. Mm-hmm. So would the app make this this parenting experience better or worse? Uh, my philosophy on these things is that with with great power comes great responsibility. The more the more that you can monitor and everything, the more you have to accept the reality. You can't just say, you know, here's here's some dumb rules I'm gonna tell you and I know you're gonna break them a little bit, so I'm gonna make them super strict. You know, you have to be real. And and I that, I'm I'm more in that space you know so so, so mon- younger mon- maybe so that makes yeah. it a bit but know. this is all ahead of you so mm-hmm. you know mo- monitor but i mean this, this this these have come out of america with you know as these things do <laughs> we're and, paranoia reigns supreme yeah par- paranoia about you know if, if every kid is seconds from abduction mm-hmm. at, at you know in any given point of the school day so i think that's where the where this market has come from i'm, I'm I, I think you know where i'm coming from i I'm, i think you know let, let them go kick the ball and if they're if they're later home than they they say that we we'll had that conversation then but if, if you're not trusting them you're not trusting them Right. Yeah, I guess it depends on the age. I mean, maybe so. Mine are ten and eight, and you know, yours are teenagers. So yeah, that's right. I, I guess I don't want to know. I don't want to know where they are. <laughs> I don't want to know. I just I just want it all to be dark. I've got to, I've got to say though, I, I did know um, I did know uh, one woman whose husband, with her, with her knowledge and consent, uh, had this this sort of thing enabled on her phone, and, and would know uh, they weren't married at the time. Um, and yet they did get married, bizarrely, uh, would know where she was at any hour of the day or night. You know, see, would you be into that? See, that's the thing. With, with in a Apple relationship? Finds, find friends. Yeah, I guess I haven't been in a relationship for a while, so I wouldn't know. But I, I used to have... Google Latitude back in the days was a service you could just 
uh, persistently publish your location. And if you chose, if you chose, yeah, yeah. I, I put it out there. And and if you have um, location turned on permanently, as I do with some friends uh, on iPhone, but you know, I, I just guess I lead a boring life, you know. Yeah, but I don't if know. someone I don't required know. it because they didn't, yeah, it just gets complicated. Well, you you know it? you know me, I am as big mm. a fan of technology as anybody. That is true. But I, I think I'm also a fan of trust. Hey, here's mm. a very very low tech piece of technology to finish the show. <coughs> um, an app called Cross Stitch. Imagine this. You go into the app, you choose a picture of a flower, let's say, you zoom in and you see it's all just tiny, tiny, tiny squares and they've all got different labels in them. You choose the right colour from your little keyboard and fill in the pixels one square at, whoops, made a mistake, go back, start again at a time <laughs> and eventually all the grey pixels turn to colour and you actually have the photo you started with. <laughs> no, it's a thing. Well, that's exactly what cross stitch is, isn't it? So it is cross stitch without the without the cat getting into your embroidery thread. It's cross stitch without you know pricking yourself in the in, in the in the fingers with with the needles. It is it is not just an app. It is a whole genre of apps. There are cross stitch apps oh. everywhere. <laughs> I think they sound really calming. I think about uh, after after the, the the sort of high concept topics we've been discussing tonight. Yeah. Um, trust, technology, the future of work. Um, I, I think a, a little bit of cross, a di- little bit of digital cross stitching might be the might be the new adult coloring book. You know, well, it's 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 it's, it's along those lines. I'm going to go right. home right now and give that a go. Hey, Julian Waters, thank you so much for joining me again on the show. Thank you, Clinton Great to be here. Cardozo from Air New Zealand. Great to have him along. Sarah and Yasmin in the booth. Next up, Graham Hill and the Weekend Variety Wireless. I'm Vaughan Davis. It's been great. Nighty night.